Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Hunter Leonard from Australia. Hunter is a business owner, author, and speaker who has developed a significant reputation for outstanding marketing and strategic growth through his first business, Blue Frog Marketing. Hunter founded Silver and Wise in 2016 with the aim of combating ageism and discrimination. His aim is to change the world one mature age individual at a time. Welcome, Hunter. How are you today? I'm really well, Terry. It's lovely to be with you from the other side of the world. So hello. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so amazing that we can be talking. It really, it astounds me every time I do it, but it's great yeah. to have you. I'm excited. Oh, thank you. Totally. Likewise. You started your company, Silver and Wise, in 2016 to combat ageism and discrimination. By the way, I love the name, Silver and Wise. It's just so appropriate because we are, we're not silver like me and wise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. What is your company doing to combat ageism and discrimination? How does it do that? Okay, so there's different levels that we operate at. First of all, as a book author, I write books about the topic and point out the areas that we could be working on. So I'm very much a practical sort of guy. I don't want to just say, hey, there's ageism, we should stop it. I then want to have something on the other side of the equals equation because you know, then you need to say, well, okay, there's a problem, but what are the solutions that we could would have? So, and I'm not, I'm not also, you know, I'm not the sort of person who'll say, well, my opinion is the one that should, this is what I think should be done. So because I have a science background, I do a lot of research and I survey a lot of people and I really try to deeply understand what the issue is and also what the potential solutions would be. And then what I'm trying to do with the business is pick off one part of the problem at a time, if you like. So, we started off in 2016 because we had a long background with working with business owners and we had a very large survey, nearly 10,000 business owners at the time had, had filled in our survey on the challenges that they had in running businesses. I thought, well, I, I know quite a bit about running a small business and there's a lot of mature people that want to start businesses because they can't get a job because of this discrimination. So a lot of them were running up against this brick wall of people not wanting to employ them. And and we're not talking about old, old people here. We're talking about people in the prime of their working life, mid-career, in their 50s. You know, so it, we're not talking old. And that's <laughs> been going on for quite a while because I remember when I was 30 and I'm 71 now, I volunteered at my church to try and coach people that were having trouble finding jobs, help them with resumes and stuff. And even back then, it was that 50 plus person who was having a heck of a time finding a job. And that's how many years ago. And it really hasn't gotten any better, has it? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And it's quite a, the reason I mentioned that that age is because uh, there was a recent survey done by our Human Rights Commission here in Australia, and I'm sure that it's replicated around the world. So it's not as if it's going to be different in, in the US or Canada or or the UK or wherever, is that there is a fairly significant percentage of companies who set an age above which they are reluctant to hire people. So they, they go, okay, well, we don't want to hire people over, blah. 
of those companies, now it's not every company, to be fair, but of the companies who do have an age in their mind, 68% of those companies set that age at 50. Um, so we're not talking about old, old people. Now, no, no. Right? So, yes, of course, most baby boomers these days are, what, 58 and older. But it's the it's basically the baby boomers and also the following generation, the Gen X, who are right in the, in the storm of this. So... What I decided to do was, okay, well, I can advocate for an end to ageism and I can join the voice of all of these amazing people around the world that are talking about ageism as an issue that needs to be solved. And there's some fantastic people. Many of the many of my heroes are in the US, you know, Chip Conley and Dr. Ken Dykewald and Ashton Applewhite. They're all amazing activists and they're all writing about it and they're all creating really cool programs. So I decided that with my expertise, my best place to help was to help these mature age people who wanted to start a business. And it's about 30% of those who can't find a job decide that they want to then go and do their own thing. So using those that survey that I, I ran, I created, I reverse engineered a really practical program of skills development for business ownership. So it's not a starting a business course, it's a how to become a business owner. Because the person who is going to start the business is going to be in control of it. And most mature age people are not looking to start a huge tech startup. They just want a business that's going to generate some revenue for them. So generally, they're going to be quite small businesses. It'll be themselves, maybe a couple of staff members or some outsourced people helping them or whatever. So they're going to need quite a diverse range of skills. And in fact, we found there's eight areas of skills that you need to be a business owner, which is very different from being an employee where you might have quite a deep skill in one area, whether it's marketing or HR or finance or, or whatever. So we started off with that. I wrote my first book and then I created some courses and I also started the idea of having a, a network of mature age people could deliver my programs to other mature age people. So it's like a two-level process where I could help a bunch of people start their own business working with me who could then help other people start their own businesses, if you like. So that was step one. Of course, we found that out of all of those people that can't get jobs, there's a whole bunch that also don't necessarily want to be a business owner. So the next step was to start talking about, well, what are the other options to you if you can't get a job? So I did a lot of research on the future of work. There's a lot of trends worldwide towards more of a freelance type economy or project-based or consulting. And so we wrote the second book, which was all about, it was called The Experience Equation, which was like, how do you take the experience you have and exchange it for meaningful, financially rewarding work with perhaps 10 people, 10 companies, not one company. So this idea of, a, of a gig, the gig economy, and I don't mean the gig economy as in the slave economy, which you know some brands that I won't mention generate a whole lot of work for people where they get paid really crappy money that's under the, under the poverty line. I'm talking about mature people with skills who've been on reasonably good incomes but now can't get a job to then work out, well, what is their value as an, an individual, as a freelancer, and how can they exchange that with other people who need their help? And that sounds like a win-win because companies don't always want to hire that extra person. Maybe they need help with just one project they're working on. So this benefits them. They can hire someone. They can come in, work on the project and be done so they don't have all the hiring costs. And yet the older person who maybe just doesn't want to work 
Maybe they only want to work 20 hours now, not 30 or 40, but they might be willing to go short term. I'll work 40 hours for a month or six weeks. Then I can rest for a while and then I'll look for another one. So it sounds like a win-win kind of a thing for everyone. Yeah, totally. And and it also gives you know some variety. And there's a lot of small businesses who do need help, but they might only need a few hours a week. So, you know, I run a small marketing business myself and I have several people working for me, some young, some mature, but you know, there's a mix. And some of them only work, you know, nine or ten hours a fortnight because they're doing that in and amongst their studies or they're doing it in and amongst their other things that they do, volunteering or whatever, and they just need a few hours work a fortnight to pay the bills. There's others that may want to work a you know a full workload of 30 or 40 hours a week, but they might do that for five or 10 small businesses and they go in one day a week here and one day a week there and one day a week somewhere else. So what I'm trying to explore is the world of possibility as opposed to the world of discrimination. The world of discrimination says you have no value and we don't want you. And we know we do. We know we have value. And, you know, the one thing business owners don't seem to get is most older people show up on time. They don't leave till the end of the day. They don't leave early. They work very hard the whole time. They're not getting sick. I think in their mind, they're thinking, oh, they're going to get sick or they're not going to work hard or what. We are some of the hardest working people from 50 to 70. We really are. So I don't know what they have in their head, but they do discriminate. I know that for a fact. Yeah, totally. And just a little story on this. There's a lot of stereotypes and you've mentioned some of them too. There's the lack of energy. There's the fact that they might be too expensive because they're older or they don't necessarily know much about technology or or whatever. So that's what the organisations and recruitment companies hide behind. They go, okay, well, we can't hire them because they're going to be blah, blah, blah. Stereotypes. You know, we have them in in all sorts of things. We have them in racism. We have them in, in sexism. Now, you know, we've got them in ageism. You can peel all of those away. There's plenty of research now, and I'm not the source of this, but there's research from the American Association of Retired Persons. There's research from our Human Rights Commission. There's research from Deloitte's. There's research from the OECD or the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, which is a global organization being supported by a lot of countries. And they all say that mature age people are the most productive age group in the workforce. They are the most loyal. They have the highest level of soft skills, you know, the ability to communicate, human relations, that sort of thing. In terms of business ownership, they make the best business owners. They are more profitable. They're more successful. They're less likely to fail. Blah, 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 blah. We could go, I can strip them all away and all you're left with is stupid, stupidity from the the organisation. So if they are discriminating against mature people, I'm just going to call it out, they are just stupid. There is no reason. There's no excuse. And we have an ageing population, so there's more of us who want to work for longer. So we are just going to have to get over ourselves as a country and as organisations and as a globe and just say, hey, we're going to have more mature age people working. Absolutely. That's the fact. So how, how do we work with that? How do we, which is now my third book, which I'm working on, is what, what does it look like once we've got rid of ageism? So let's assume it's gone. What does it look like? Well, it looks what it looks like is that we have a lot of mature age people working. They're productive. They're contributing to the economy. They're taking care of their own retirement when they do want to retire or their leisure time, if you like, if you don't want to use the word retirement, because a lot of a lot of boomers don't actually want to retire these days. They just want to increase the mix, a little bit more leisure time, a little bit less work, but they're still doing things or they're volunteering or whatever. So what we're dealing with is, a, is an alive, well, mature, experienced, wise, amazing demographic within our population. 
And that's what the world's going to look like. It's not going to look like a bunch of young people making decisions in the workforce and saying, no, no, I'm sorry, we don't want you anymore. <laughs> Good luck, because they're actually going to be in the minority. There'll be more old people working than there will be younger people working. Yeah, it's a whole new world now. And we're going to live another 20 or 30 years. So we're going to want to work much longer than our parents did. So, and a lot of it we can do from home, which is fantastic. You don't always have to go to a location. So we need a new roadmap. So it's important to have people like you that are looking into it and doing the surveys and figuring things out so that we have a roadmap. And it sounds like your books are great roadmaps for any boomers that are thinking about maybe starting their own business or maybe trying to do some kind of consultation work with companies. Your books sound like they would be excellent help in helping us figure out what we want to do and how to do it because there aren't any roadmaps. No, that's right. The roadmaps haven't necessarily been written because no one's really cared enough to say, well, actually, there should be a roadmap. And, you know, I don't want to put the blame all on governments and organisations either because the individual has to take their own responsibility for their own future. So, but what, but what I can say is this, at the moment, and probably because society is pretty crap at handling isms, we're going to have ageism for the next few decades. It's not going to go away in a hurry as much as I would like it to. We have a world where companies are wanting to have more freelance employees, not full-time. So between that, we've got ageism stopping people from getting work if they're mature, but we've got a more freelance economy where actually experience and wisdom is welcome. <laughs> so what I can say is part of the roadmap for many people is, okay, just, just for the moment, stop thinking about having one job with one company throughout your 50s and your 60s and maybe your 70s or however long you want to work and start thinking about the options. Maybe one option is start your own business and it might be scary, but there are ways to do it. And if you've got the skills in what you've done all your life, you can then exchange that with other people. Maybe it's freelancing. If you're financially okay and you don't need to work, well, maybe it's putting some time back into volunteering. Now, again, I mentioned Ken Dykwald at the at the top of the discussion and he is a I'm sure many Americans know him. He's an amazing advocate for boomers. And he recently published a, a document which he was referring to something he'd already done years ago, but he looked at the idea of volunteering and he's come up with this idea of the modern elder corps, the, the core, a core of elders who are willing to volunteer. I think he did some research and he said most elders were interested in volunteering maybe three, four hours a week. But if you calculate that by the number of people in that age group, and the time they have available to volunteering, and on average is about 20 years. So if they started volunteering at 60, they volunteer till they're 80, 20 years. He's talking about trillions of dollars of productivity, trillions of dollars, because even if it's unpaid work, it still has a value. So if they do something for someone that saves them having to do it, that still has an economic value. And this is well known. It's 30 to 40 bucks an hour in the US. I think it's 40 to $50 in Australia with the exchange rate. So hundreds of millions of hours times 40 or 50 dollars trillions trillions wow. that's a big wow. number <laughs> that is a big that's, i never thought of it that way but that is a big number yeah. oh my gosh yeah so wow. it blew me away with that the other day when i saw it so i did the calculation for australia and it's still a very large number you know we're about a 13th of the size of the population of the us but still a really big number so i guess my message to your listeners is that i they have value. Don't ever let anyone tell them they don't. You have value. It's just a matter of 
how can you exchange that with the world in order to maintain your own financial security, whether that's through working or freelance or running your own business or volunteering. And the world is going to align more with understanding you do have that value. So, you know, it might be tough at times, but, you know, grit your teeth and just remember there's other people around that are like you and we, and we are here to, I guess, to help and to support the idea that everyone has a value so that we don't. So I came up with this concept of the grey sideline recently. There used to be this term, the glass ceiling in sexism, where women couldn't get above a certain level in their in their roles and, and their pay is lower than men, et cetera, et cetera. It's not so much about vertical discrimination with, with mature people. It's about being kicked off the field completely. It's So this idea of a, a grey sideline where they're standing on the sideline, they're looking at this field of work that's the game, but they can't get in because there's people standing on the sideline saying, no, 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 sorry, you, you have no value anymore. You're right. too old. Right. That's just crap. It is crap because, you know, one of the very first people I interviewed was a woman who found her dream job at age 65. She loved it and the company loved her. It worked out. In fact, the company came after her because they kind of knew her a little bit. So they tried to, and she kept saying, oh, you don't want me. I'm too old. You don't want, and finally they said, no, would you please come in for an interview? She went in, she got the job and she, it's the best job she's ever had. She was so happy. Now she got laid off during COVID. So hopefully she'll be back this year. But at 65, she found her dream job. So that's very unusual. But it can happen. Yeah, totally, totally, it can. And there was an exact—I can't remember the exact details—but here in Australia, there was a, a guy in his early seventies who was employed by a company. I think it might have been out in, in the regional regional Australia. Anyway, he came into this job. It was in shipping and, and dispatch, and he'd had an, he'd had a lot of experience in this. So he came into this job, and I think his wage was—I don't know. Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year Australian. So you know, it wasn't a big wage, but it was enough for him. That's that's all he needed. He wanted a, a job where he could earn an amount of money. Within the first couple of months of his job, he identified a mistake on a major dispatch that was going out, and it saved the company a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So wow. You can't tell me that experience and wisdom doesn't have value because in that instant, he picked up something that had been missed by the marketing company, had been missed by the company, had been missed by the post office, and it would have resulted in a disaster for the company. Oh, wow. It was his experience and wisdom. Nothing to do with his age. It was all to do with the fact that he just noticed something. (laughs) You know, he wasn't old. He wasn't old. He wasn't infirm. He wasn't, you know, (laughs) scheduled for sitting on a beach chair drinking pina coladas and getting nothing done because he, he wasn't that sort of person. He wanted to be active and to contribute. And it was just a, just a great example of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, and that kind of thing happens all the time because we do have the experience and the knowledge. So there are things we'll pick up that someone that hasn't been in the business that long doesn't see. We see it, it kind of jumps out at us. So our experience can be very helpful to companies. I wish more than would realize that. I really do. But but you know, sometimes we just have to take the initiative and say, okay, no one will hire me. I'll go do my own thing. Like my podcast started a podcast. I had no experience. So there's no boss telling me, you can't do that. I want to see your experience. And what do you know? I just started it and you learn as you go. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. That's what they used to say, sticking it to the man. Yep, yep. <laughs> sticking it to the man. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's a little bit of the attitude that, that people need to have is to say, you know what, I won't say it, but, you know, stuff you, stuff you. I'm going to do my own thing or I'm going to get a job. And my message to companies and organisations that are ageist is, you know, we're watching. There's more, there's more of us that are watching and you will get found out because it is illegal in most Western nations to discriminate on the basis of age. So Absolutely. Yep. They can find find whatever hole they want to crawl into, but we will find them and the organisations like the Human Rights Commission and the Every Age Counts and the AARP, and they're all watching. So companies need to be thinking, okay, well, this is a bit like how do we be more sustainable with our packaging and our whatever. It's it's exactly like that. So, you know, pull your socks up and start putting in place some diversity programs that recognize that you can't discriminate on age and just stop doing it because we will find out (laughs) (laughs) they'll be the news stories of the next the next decade or two because you know we'll have handled the climate change and moved on from that but these will be the stories you know absolutely 72 year old woman doesn't get job despite huge experience that'll be the headline you know (laughs) i love it i love it So you've developed partnerships with some of Australia's biggest corporations. How does that work and how does that benefit boomers in Australia? How do these partnerships work? Yeah, so we're a small business. You know, I'm I'm not running a massive corporation. It's myself and my wife and a few, you know, really cool advisors. And so we're not and we're not I'm not aiming to be a huge organization either. I want to help a lot of mature people, but I don't necessarily want to have a huge organisation myself. So the partnerships really give us scale and the ability to reach more people. So we were fortunate our federal government here initiated a program where they wanted to have some entrepreneurial advice given to mature age people around Australia. So they picked, I think, 20 regions where they wanted this advice to be there and they funded funded those 20 regions and we have two of our advisors delivering advice in two of those regions basically working paid by the government but delivering free advice for those that can't afford to have you know um, an advisor really cool but we do that in partnership with um i'm not sure in the us if you have the same organizations but we have chambers of commerce which are the local business groups that get together as a as a group we and do they, too they, we have them too yeah, yep. yeah yep. so so we have a, a peak body in australia uh, called the Australian Chambers of Commerce, and they have a commercial arm called Business Australia. And Business Australia picked up that contract and then partnered with us because we had some knowledge about the mature age people. So it's our intellectual property, but they're helping us scale it and push it out to more people so that more people get helped. And I think in the last couple of years, we've consulted to over 2,000 mature age people who are starting well, that's businesses. Great. So it's that's um, great. It's quite big. Of course, the other partnerships are things like my books. I, you know, I, I you kind of think of them as a partner, but Amazon are a partner for me because they put my book online and it's available worldwide. And I've had sales in the US, I've had sales in Canada, France, New Zealand. So these partnerships are really important to me because they're like-minded people and like-minded organisations who are trying to make a difference. And whether it's me just helping on a volunteer basis with an association or an organisation or doing a press conference or you know, presenting on a panel, which I'll be doing next week at the launch of some research on ageism, or if it's a commercial arrangement where they're helping us, you know, sell our services to a larger group of people. It's it's really cool that big business and small business can work together, you know. 
We can, we can. That's, and you know what? If there's someone here in the United States that wants to try something like that, partnering with businesses to get the word out about ageism, and we can start doing the same thing here. I mean, we need to get the word out. Totally. What it's going to take is actually many small voices, many individuals speaking and collaborating and partnering together. And and already in the last in the last few months, uh, it, it, it's been over the last few years, but it is building. There's more happening. The World Health Organization launched a global campaign to combat ageism, and that's going out across the planet. I've got many friends in the US already that are authors themselves and are starting businesses in mature age. There's, of course, the pioneers like Ashton and Dr. Ken Dykewald and Chip Connolly. They've been out there a decade before I even started thinking about this area, and, and I take my cue from a lot of their work. So it just it's going to take. It won't take that many. You know, a few dozen people pushing the message and getting it out through their channels, and then a few tens of thousands of boomers and Gen X taking up the arms, if you like, against it. That's right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not fomenting revolution. I mean, just you know, one at a time. Let's get jobs. Let's start our businesses. Let's you know, freelance. Let's make sure we're making some money for ourselves and our families. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And look, it's really, it's really important. The other bit that we haven't really talked about is that many boomers have elderly parents because they've lived a long life. You know, so people in their sixties have got eighty and ninety year old parents. That's true. Plus, many of them have still got, you know, children who are maybe in their late teens or early twenties who are still living at home. So. The boomers and the Gen X are what is termed a sandwich generation. In other words, they're responsible for themselves, but they're also responsible for their parents and their kids. Three generations. Financially responsible for three generations. So now we come back to this point of if you are ageist and you stop that person getting a job, you're actually affecting three generations of the same family, not just one person. So it's very damaging to have an ageist attitude against someone, particularly if they're actually the best person for the job. Yeah, absolutely. And many times they are, right? Exactly. Exactly. My point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been great. You've really shared a lot of interesting ideas. And I encourage my boomers to get your books. So give us the names of the books and then tell us where we can get in contact with you. If any of my audience wants to contact you, go on your website, give us that information as well. Yeah, sure. So the three books are called Generation Experience which is the book on how to start a business, The Experience Equation, which is the book on how to plan a future of work and freelance and to understand the future of work. And the new one, which is launching in two weeks, is called Maturity Blues. What's it called again? It's called Maturity Blues. Ooh. And it's a it's really for government organisations and individuals to understand what the world looks like once we get past the idea of abolishing ageism. What, what does that actually look like? What are we going to do to make that world you know, come into reality. So they're all going to be available on, on Amazon. They're available in the US on amazon.com. So you can just search my name. There's not too many Hunter Leonard's around, so you should be able to. <laughs> I'm not the science fiction writer, although I have written some short science fiction. So most of my books are around business books. So you can find them on Amazon. I think they're I think they're like six or seven bucks on, on the US. I don't charge a lot for the books because I want all people to buy them and be accessible. And if people want to contact me, the best place is probably LinkedIn or they can go to our website. So they can just, again, search me on LinkedIn. I'll be the one noisily talking about ageism, so it'll be pretty obvious who it is. <laughs> there you go. That's good. And what's your website? Give us that again real quick. It's called it's silverandwise.com.au. 
.au. You have to remember that .au because that means Australia. For the people who aren't used to that, you can't just put the .com. It needs that .au. But there's a wealth of information on his website. So I encourage all of you to go and look at the website because there's a lot of free information that you can get. So do you have one more piece of information you'd like to share with us baby boomers before we go? Yeah, sure. Look, I just it's probably just to say, just remember you have value and don't let anyone else tell you you don't. That's great advice because it's so true. And, you know, sometimes when you hear it enough, you start doubting yourself. But no, we have value. And most of us want to share it with the world. We don't want to just sit at home and let it go. I mean, it took us all these years to gather all that experience. We want to be able to share it. We don't want to just have it be lost. So we're the prime generation now to do that. So we're going to do it. We're going to find a way, I believe. So I think things are changing, which is great. So anyone who wants to find Hunter that didn't write down his, his web address, you can go to kickassboomers.com, click on Hunter's picture, and all the show notes will come up. It'll give you the names of the books again. It'll give you his website. So you'll be able to find everything so that you can connect with him once again. So thank you so much for being a great guest and for sharing so much valuable information. I really appreciate it. Well, you're most welcome, Terry. It's lovely to meet you, and I'm sure we'll be having more conversations in the near future. Absolutely, we will. We're going to absolutely keep in touch and keep this conversation going. Totally. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thanks, Hunter. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.